Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. End of the year always brings me into a time of reflection. And I often look back over my, my personal life. And I can see, if I'm honest, places that need attention. And you're probably not too much different than me. You kind of sit down, it's the end of the year, maybe you'll sit down, maybe you've got plans for this evening, but it is a time for me to just kind of say, what did we accomplish this past year? And there have been some incredible things that have been accomplished in this church. Um, you're going to have to forgive me, but every single service that we're part of right now is especially precious to me because I realize this door is closing on this building, and soon we will never see this exact same thing again. And I'm a sentimental sap at times, <laughs> but I've also watched as God has blessed us right where we're at. He can never bless us someplace else until we first allow him to bless us right where we're at. And I have watched this church accomplish that. It's a time for me to kind of step back, quietly reflect. I love to celebrate what God has done, but I also have to be honest enough to say there's some places that I fall short. Maybe not completely off the map, but just not where I would like to be completely. This next year, I'm going to turn 57 years old. I know I only look 37. Fifty-seven years have gone by, and uh, while I still don't like to consider myself old, the fact is that I have more life behind me than I now have ahead of me, unless I live to be 114, so, which is highly doubtful. I don't know that I want to live to be 114. So there are more years behind me than there are ahead of me. And as every year passes, I realize that more and more that life is fleeting, it is vapor, because I, as I was speaking to somebody yesterday after the funeral, Donna George walked up to me and she said, do you remember me? I said, I'm sorry. I said, you do look familiar, look like I should know you, but you're going to have to help me. She said, oh, I'm Donna George, your mom and dad used to pick me up for Sunday school. <laughs> that came from my second grade year when we were having a little contest, and I invited her brother Paul, who was in my class, uh, to go to church with me, not because I cared about where he spent eternity, but I wanted to win the prize. Second grade, you know? Don't think about that. <laughs> I want that new bike. <laughs> But as we grow, grew and matured, I did begin to care about his soul. From that little, that little thing, that little contest, soon his sisters were coming with Paul, and my family would swing out there and pick them up and drive, drive us to church. And then his mother and his father began to come, and his father's still there. I got to shake his hand yesterday and greet him. 
And I, I think about that so long ago, and it just seems like yesterday. Life truly is a vapor, Brother Charlie. You think about things that that come to your mind, like, oh, that just seemed like a few weeks ago, but it was decades ago. Life is fleeting. That stark reality can sometimes take my breath away. I've never been afraid of death. Um, that's not something that really I've thought about that much, and I'm not here to paint a dark story today, please. Don't think that this is going to be a big downer. But what I think about is the door has already started to swing back the other way on the time that I have left to do a work for the Lord. And I began to think about what, what have I accomplished, what we've been able to do for God. I think about all the souls that are standing. Anybody that walked through our door today say, oh, my, this is, this is, this is fantastic What's, what has taken place here. Landmark, look, it's, it's a full house. But you have to realize that along with all of those that are here, my mind goes back and thinks of all those that should be here and could be here and are not here. I want to reach as many people as I can. And this reality is, is that I only have so many years left. Being busy is something we all have. We're all busy. How are you? Oh, I'm busy. But being busy and being productive are two different things, right? I don't want to just be busy. I want to produce things that are eternal. I want to focus my attention on things that will last. So I have some, some shifting that I think and feel like I need to do. Man. I'll let you be seated. I've talked. I should have let you sit. And thank you for standing so long. There are times when I uh, I look back at all the blessings that God has put on my life throughout the years. I have, you know, three wonderful children. Their spouses are just, I couldn't ask for any better. Grandchildren, not been without our challenges through the years with sicknesses and illnesses and scares along the way. Most of us deal with, with those things. You know, all, all this last year has kind of been a struggle in, in a lot of ways. I've watched God do a lot of wonderful things, but there's been some struggles along the way, and, and I hope I've hidden those rather quick, you know, uh, kept those close to the vest, but just kind of being open with you today and some things that, that I've had to struggle with, some things that that uh, feels like, am I getting anywhere? Am I moving forward? Is this, is this a failure? Have I made wrong decisions? And I imagine most of us deal with that to some extent. You know, we're at the very last tail end, the last day of 2023, and so I, I began to kind of think about this last night when we got home uh, after uh, Brother Griffith's beautiful funeral. What a, what a great uh, 
what a great memorial to a great man. It was a beautiful day spent with family and friends, and Brother Rodenbush, it just couldn't have been any better than to hear uh, our elder brother Robert Rodenbush preach his uh, funeral yesterday. It was just beautiful. And I, uh, I began to think about this year as it came to close and look back and I say, you know, I'd like to sit here and say that everything I've touched has turned to gold. Quite honestly, you know, there's some things that, that we've been involved with, some things that, that have, have left me feeling like this is just a mess. <laughs> Anybody else ever felt like that? I'm going to go in here and fix this, you know. Have we got any uh, DIYers in, in the house, uh, do-it-yourselfers, you know? Uh, I'll be the first to admit that, that I can uh, tear three things up trying to fix one. You know, I, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to fix this myself. I don't want to spend the money. And, and in the end, you just have to step back and say, I, 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 this is a mess. I, I thought it would be simple, but it wasn't simple. It's a mess. Not everybody is a Howard Warren. You know, not everybody is a, is a Ryan Fisher. There, there are some Doug Rices in the world. I'm amazed at these guys that were out here at the at the new building, you know, and they're climbing up. You know, the, this is not meant in any kind of, but these are not guys in their 20s anymore. You know, and, and I'm watching them climb around and get up on ladders and in the attics and working and moving, and, and, and I'm amazed just watching them, and I'm like, uh, I'm a good gopher. You know what they do with me a lot of times? They say, we need more supplies, and they run me out to Buckeyes, and I'm happy to go. I'll head out to Buckeyes, and I'm just like, I'm just going to let these guys. I think what they're really doing is like, shoot, shoot him. Yeah, just get him out before he tears anything else up, before he hurts himself. Now, I'm not a stranger to a hammer and, and nails. I can, I can handle myself a little bit. But, but quite honestly, I have to have an overseer. I have to have somebody to kind of tell me, okay, this goes there, and that goes here, and this is the way we do this. Brother Rice, please don't electrocute yourself, you know, in the process. Let us handle that. So they'll send me off to Buckeyes for a couple of reasons. One, I think maybe um, to, so they can get some more work done. And number two, because I always bring back snacks. They get a little bit hungry. We're getting close on red licorice, uh, Brother Rice, uh, and I, I'll bring back snacks with me. We make sure that our guys are fed well. <laughs> you know, we we have these these times when we just want to do a work, I want to do something good, and we get in there, we put our effort and our time and our talents, if we have them, into something, and, but when we're honest with ourselves, we step back and we just have to say, what a mess, what a mess this is. I've made a mess. Colossians 4 and 10, Paul is in prison at the time of this writing, of this letter to the church in Coloss, and Towards the end of the letter in chapter number four, which is the final chapter, there's only four chapters in the book of Colossians, he makes mention of two men. I want to read this couple of scriptures for you because the Lord just kind of laid it on my heart that maybe, just maybe, there might be a few people in here that are looking back kind of like I'm looking back at the past year and seeing some things that didn't work out maybe quite the way that you wanted them to work out. Maybe a relationship fell apart. Maybe a job fell apart. Maybe, maybe some things 
came into your life that just devastated you. Maybe you lost somebody that you love dearly. Maybe a health issue has knocked you on your heels. Maybe something has taken place and you went into the year, as Brother Jones said, expecting something amazing and expecting something great, which we should do that. I don't want to go into 2024 saying, oh, my word. I wonder what catastrophe is going to hit this year. I want to be positive about it. I want to go into it hopeful that, that we're going to see amazing things. Somebody said, uh, you know, uh, oh, it's, a ter- it's going to be a terrible year. And somebody else said, well, you need to be positive about it. He said, I am. I'm positive it's going to be a terrible year. I believe I have a message of hope for you today. And if nobody else receives anything out of this, I want you just to allow me to preach to me. Just let me preach to me. Paul makes mention of two men, one of them being Mark, the writer of the gospel of Mark. Colossians 4, 10, and 11 says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And then in parentheses, it says, about whom you received instructions If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, not Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. I just simply want to preach a message that I have entitled Your Mess plus age. I think you get it. I don't think I need to explain that to anybody. But as we go along, I hope that you will understand that sometimes your mess is not in vain. Sometimes God will take you into a place that seems to be a mess. But he's got you there And if you will stay there long enough for him to do, to prove himself, you will come out with a message. Paul and a fellow laborer, the Bible says, were in prison. Two men are there with them on the outside doing what they can to help. They're not in prison with Paul and Aristarchus, but they are outside and they are ministering to Paul, getting him some things, coming and visiting him. You know, he's stuck in prison as happened to him more than once, and just doing what they can to make him comfortable, to help him, justice and Mark. And Paul says that something that, he says something in this scripture that probably goes unnoticed, but uh, to the people of his day, it was huge. And he says this, he says, he's a comfort about Mark, and if he should come to you, that you are to receive him as a fellow worker. Now, that might be strange to us thinking, are you talking about Mark, the writer of the book of Mark? Yes, I'm talking about the gospel writer of Mark, Mark, that Mark. Why would Paul say something about Mark? Why would he have to clarify himself and saying, if Mark comes to you, I want you to receive him. He's been a comfort to me. We have to understand the history that that has taken place in this relationship between Paul and Mark. Paul puts it in parentheses. It is for us to take notice of 
that they had received commandments concerning Mark and that they should receive him should he arrive in their midst. You see, things had not always gone well between Mark and Paul. Mark's family had been leaders in the early church. And when Peter was released, you remember the whole story? Peter's in prison, he's locked up, and, and, and uh, all of a sudden an angel comes and nudges him awake and says, come on, his chains fall off. And, and Peter gets up and he steps out, one through ga- each gate he stepped through until he's finally released, and he goes to a house and he knocks on the door, and the little girl by the name of Rhoda comes and she answers the door. And says, ah, it's, it's Peter. And she, she's so excited, she slams the door in his face. She doesn't even open it up and let him come in. She shuts the door in his face and goes back and tells all the prayer warriors, hey, Peter's here. Your prayers have been answered. And what did they do? They doubted him, doubted her. (laughs) You've seen a ghost. (laughs) It can't be Peter. You know, it's amazing to me sometimes how the small children can have more faith than us adults. She says, it's Peter, and finally they go to the door and they open it up, and there stands Peter. Their prayers have been answered by an angelic being. He goes, and he has released Peter, and there he is. Guess whose house that was at? That was at the family of Mark's. That was Mark's family. Later, Paul and Barnabas, they pick up this young man by the name of Mark on their way back from a missions trip. They want him to accompany them. They see a value in Mark. They see this this guy has something to offer. And so they say, why don't we invite him to go along? Can you imagine what an honor that must have been uh, for Mark to have a man of the caliber of the apostle Paul to invite him to go along? I mean, I I was thinking about this this morning. What if David Bernard, general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church, I got home today, and there was on my voicemail, a voicemail that said, Brother Rice, this is Brother David Bernard right there. I probably would drop over dead, you know, uh, and and like, wow, man, he's like the Pentecostal Pope. I mean, he's he's the head cheese. He's the the big guy, you know, the big kumba. He's, He's the man. Brother Rice, I just felt impressed today in prayer that you're to accompany me on my next mission. You kidding me? Whoa, what an incredible honor. I would probably sell everything I had to go on on a trip with David Bernard just to be by this guy is, man, he's brilliant. He reads more. He goes on vacation and does more work than I do in an entire year. I like how he puts his itinerary out of everything he's done and everything. He he doesn't put it out there to brag. He puts it out there because there are people out there that that like to nitpick every once in a while. I, I don't know what it is with people. They need to find something else to do besides nitpick people that are trying to do a great work for God. So he puts it out there so that people don't think he's just sitting around in, in his office with his feet kicked up. He, he lets people know what's going on. He'll, he'll take a flight uh, from one place to the next and read three books in the process. It's like, I, I can't believe how this guy gets this much done. I mean, this is what Mark was dealing with. He is with the Apostle Paul on his journey, this missionary trip. And and so he goes with him, but it is a short-lived thing because at some point, Mark decides he's had enough. And Paul says, you know what? I agree with you. Get out of here. Why don't you just run 
with your tail tucked between your legs back home. It's not, it's not a civil split. There's a problem between Mark and Paul. I, I got to just wonder, and this is just me. You don't have to believe this. I, I've got no biblical proof, but I just have to wonder if when Mark set out on this journey with Paul, he did not realize how tough it would be to be with the Apostle Paul. I'm not talking about the Apostle Paul treating him bad. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul was doing real-life ministry. You see, Mark was back home where his parents, his family was, was kind of bigwigs in the New Testament church, and, and so he was kind of safeguarded there. And so I have to wonder, when he's stepping out with Paul, if he doesn't think that in his mind this is going to be awesome, what an incredible experience this is going to be, uh, to be by his side and to see what he's season and to be a part of the miracles and, and the people that, that come to him and cling to him and hear his words. And he doesn't realize that it's going to be a difficult place. Ministry is not always an easy thing. I love it when people say, so what else do you do with your time? And they see me dressed in a nice suit. You know, I'll stand behind the pulpit. You just preach a couple times a week, right? You have church a couple times a week. Hey, you got no idea. And I'm not sitting up here just trying to uh, make you feel sorry for me, but I will tell you this. I don't sit around with my feet propped up all day long doing nothing. There are phone calls and, and business decisions and all kinds of things that, that have to be taken care of. There, there's ministry that, that, that we don't talk about. We just go and do and things that have to be said and done and, and responsibilities that fall into our lap that we're, we weren't expecting sometimes. And, and things just happen and they snowball and, and you answer the phone and you say, hello, when you want to say goodbye. You know, there are times like that. Mark is with Paul, and he, he, he takes his journey with him, and he says, okay, had enough, done here. Paul says, shuffle yourself along, young man. Shuffle on back home. Because ministry is not always easy. Tears are cried in private. You have to have tough skin. You have to be able to endure some things that, that the average person, if I was just Joe Blow out on the street, I probably wouldn't put up with some things that, that you have to put up with when you're called to be a, a, a minister, a, a pastor uh, for, for God. There's some things that just in your personal life that you just have to have tough skin over. Work your way through. Kind of fell into that mindset as a young preacher get enamored with the man behind the pulpit. I, I've heard an incredible amount of awesome sermons in my lifetime for men that I have admired, men that I've tried to not preach like them, but, but be like them. But what I didn't understand back then that I'm beginning to understand now is is those stories that they told and, and the power of God as it moved in and the, the experience that they had that when you're sitting there in the comfort of your padded pew and, and, and your climate-controlled building that you're in, that this man was out there trudging through the mud to make it happen. This man was taking the hits 
And as a young man, I didn't understand that all of those stories that were so anointed by the power of God that would move me while I sat there, and I wanted to be a part of that, and I looked at that as being something to be admired, and it was something to be admired, but I didn't understand that all of those things were birthed out of trials and real hardships. It wasn't just a story. It had been their reality. believe that it is possible, Mark finally come to the conclusion that I just didn't realize it was going to be this hard. I thought we were going to go home, go out on this missions trip. I thought we'd be home by five o'clock every night. We could play, we could play, uh, uh, you know, uh, Monopoly and, and have a good time, sit around. He, he didn't realize there, there's going to be hunger. There's going to be hardships. Back at home, I'm accepted. Everybody loves me. Everybody likes me. We're already in the in crowd back there. People admire us, but out here, we're blazing a new trail, and, and we're coming up against people that are our enemies and people that don't understand us. And Well, I just thought everybody would love what we have to offer, and now I'm finding out that there are people that, that despise us. I'll just go home where I can be at the supper table every year, every every evening when Mom has cooked a, prepared a nice meal for the family. He says, I'm out of here. Paul says, you sure are. Paul cuts him off. Paul cuts him off. I believe that the commandments Paul alluded to were most likely directions that Mark previously was not to be accepted I have to wonder if Paul thought something took place there and Paul thought he didn't fulfill his commitment. He's not mature enough to understand the real realities of serving God. Maybe Paul looked at Mark and said, he's just here for the loaves and the fishes kind of thing. It's time this kid, this guy had to go back and, and figure some things out before he can really get into ministry. He needs to have a better understanding of what it means to serve the Lord. And so he told the churches, don't let him come back and be accepted. Don't you set him on a pedestal. He's not to be depended on. What a mess. What a mess Mark was in. Now we're... 2,000 years later, and we look at Mark as being one of the writers of the gospel, but, but right here, at this moment, everything was a wreck. It was a disaster. The Apostle Paul, the main writer of the New Testament, wrote more than any other writer in the New Testament. Great leader had cut Mark off. Imagine how that would feel. I think about that. David Bernard called me. Oh, David Bernard. Yeah, we're done with you, Rice. You're out of here. Turn in your fellowship card. You are no longer a part of that. Do you know how heartbreaking that would be? How devastating that would be? Well, now, wait a second. I've given, uh, they sent me my 10-year um, uh, certificate the other day uh, for being licensed with the United Pentecostal Church for 10 years, um, but it's been 25. So we got to get that straightened out. And I said... 
I've gone backwards. My last one said 15 years on it. Now I get a 10-year one. Like, have I been that bad that they have deducted five years off of me? Somebody's. That would be devastating, wouldn't it? If I all of a sudden went down and said, Brother Jones, thanks for all that you've done, but we're done with you. You know, I'll take your, your fellowship card. We don't need you around here anymore. As a matter of fact, I'm calling all the other churches around here in case you try to go preach there, and I'm telling them not to use you either. That'd be kind of hard to take, wouldn't it? Be kind of tough. This is the mess that Mark was in, and this is the mess that he could have camped out in. I'm trying to hurry along here uh, because I don't want to keep you too long today, but you need to understand that when you find yourself in a situation where there is a mess that you have created for yourself, it is quite possible for many of us to just camp out there and admit that we have been defeated. We could just roll up and curl up and die right there. But something in Mark kept him moving forward. Don't you dare with... 2023 has left you with a mess in your hands. Don't you dare create that as your lifestyle. Don't you allow that to become your identity. I want you to know today there is a God that died for you. And if he could take a young man like Mark and pull him out of the mess that he was in and get him back into a place where he could become one of the writers of the gospel that we still read today, then he can take people like you and me and create out of us, out of our mess, a message for others to live by. You need to understand, it took some time. It didn't happen overnight. I'm sure Mark went home and licked his wounds and was embarrassed and practically destroyed when he found out that the apostle Paul said, cut him off. Don't receive him. He's not to be used. Gone good in the beginning, but now... All he had was a mess. Everything he'd started out to do had ended up in disappointment. Our music come today. So what do you do? What do you do when you realize you've disappointed God? Don't raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself and Ask yourself this question right now. Can you look back over this year and honestly say you've done nothing to disappoint God at any point in time of the past year? Maybe you've been in incredible service like we've already experienced today and the Lord spoke to you and you made a commitment to him that lasted and all the way till you got to McDonald's after church. God, I feel you speaking to me about going on a three-day fast. Right after lunch, I'll do it. <laughs> I didn't say which lunch. We've all disappointed God, and the reality is, is we know when we do it, we feel and know that we've disappointed God at times. Because we disappoint ourselves. 
Maybe 2023 started off real good for you. I thought 2023 was kicked off with a bang. Started off pretty good. The last three months, I've been in, in the emergency room. We've gotten some health issue news. It's not, not horrible, but not, it's not as good as what we'd like to be. Our furnace went out in our house. My radiator went out in my car. My brakes went out in my truck. I mean, and, and I, that's another one of them situations. I'll handle this brake job. 30 minutes later, I'm like, yeah, I'll call the mechanic. I maybe would have went a little bit longer on it had I known it was going to be an $800 brake job. You know, I had the furnace guy come over. Within like two minutes, he had the furnace kicked back on. I'm like, all right. So I went in the other room with Reddick, and I'm sitting down there at a table just staying out of the guy's way, and I'm thinking, he's going to have this come up, up and running. It ain't going to be that big of a deal, you know. The furnace is not terribly old, about 20 years old. We've had it ever since we lived there. And he comes walking out, and I could tell. He just comes walking out, and he doesn't say a word. He just stands there and just kind of. Drops his head and looks at me. I said, all right, lay it on me. $5,000 later, we've got a brand new furnace. Ouch. There's times when, you know, I'm not trying to make anybody feel sorry for me. I'm just saying, I know I'm not the only one here that's going through this. Things pile up on us sometimes. Like, could God, could we have not just spread this out over the year? You know, Maybe over 10 years? He said, no, I'm going to let you spread your payments out over 10 years, but it's all going to happen now. Sometimes things just don't go the way we plan, and we walk into a year thinking that, I'm going to, man, I'm going to be victorious this year. Then all of a sudden, we just get hammered. It's like, man, whoa. Boom, there it is again. You just keep till you're laying on the ground wondering what happened. It's not that you don't love God, not that you're not trying. It just feels like everything that you've done has been kicked back and rejected. Anybody ever felt like that? Things just didn't turn out the way you planned. You look around, you say, what a mess. <laughs> what a mess. I want to tell you today, I believe the Lord is speaking to some people here that are in the middle of a mess. He's telling you, just give me a little time with that mess. Don't give up. Don't walk away. Because with a little age, I can turn your mess into a message. That's all message is, right? Mess plus age. Problems plus time. You cannot. Would you stand with me? We are made overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our what? Testimony. Testimony. We quote that all day long. Man, if we have testimony service, you know, we'll start off with that. You are made an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. But do you realize the root word in the word testimony? 
If you do not have the test, you cannot have the testimony. We want a message without the mess. Your stories are unique. There's not a single one of us in here. You're as different as the snowflakes that fall from God's sky. Your life is not going to be like anybody else's. You're going to have problems. You're going to have tests that you face. You're going to have issues that you deal with. And though they may be similar in ways, and we can relate to each other in ways, every one of us, every one of us are different. Your mess will be different than my mess. Your test will probably be somewhat different than the test that I will go through. Or we may go through the same test, but at different times. And you know why God allows that? Because your testimony tells me in my test that I can make it. Whatever it is that you might be going through today, don't let it cause you to let go of God and just drift off into nothingness. Let God stay and remain with you in the middle of your mess. I love the scripture that says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. There is one word in there that tells me what I must do through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Anybody in a valley? Anybody feel the shadows encompassing your life? Just keep walking. Anybody looking for, how can God do anything with with what I find myself in, how can I, how will this ever encourage anybody else? I don't see how God can get some glory out of this. It just needs a little age. And your mess can become your message. Your test can become your testimony. You will overcome. I know the Lord has already blessed us. He's already touched us today. But I wonder if there are those that maybe you're struggling, maybe you're not. I don't know. I don't pretend to, to know what many of you are going through. But I have heard some of your stories, and I know that some of you are dealing with some things. Maybe you're discouraged. I don't want you to walk out of 2023 into 2024 carrying that baggage that the Lord wants you to set down right now. I don't want you to walk into 2024 doubting that God can take your mess and create in you a message that will speak to the hearts and minds of those that are watching because they all want you. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.